Hello, ATA and Smallville listeners. I am your host, Michael J. Petty. And I am Wu S. Kim. How's everybody doing tonight in the podcast world? Yeah, and we are here to welcome you to another Smallville Retro Review. Say that five times fast. We are here, not, not, I can't, okay. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. Moving on. Um, by the way, Dan and Nico pay us in gum. Yeah, we get paid in gum by the hour. So, if you guys keep downloading this podcast and listening to it, we're going to get paid, and it'll be really nice. And you're going to hear some loud chewing noises, over, chewing noises over the last few podcasts. Yeah, and don't worry, you'll love it. Yes. It's no problem, really. Promise. So we are covering season 11 of Smallville, right, Penny? Yes, in fact, this season is very interesting because in this season, Clark has fully established himself as Superman. However, with Chloe and Oliver's departure, Lex and Jimmy's return, we have a lot to do. So Lex better get those memories back pretty quick. I mean, he's already working on it at Summerhall, am I right, Woo? Yes, and Kara's back and she's sleeping with Jimmy's little brother. So it's like an episode of Gossip Girl. <laughs> yeah, that went a little too far. That went a little too far. And Lana comes back and stabs Lois and, like, screwed with Clark's mind. So, so Clark now thinks Lana is Lois. It's all, it's all this crazy stuff, guys. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and Chloe's Lois, too. Yes, Chloe is Lois, too. So it's like a really weird part of yeah. Right. No, really, we're covering season seven of Smallville, aka the Rider Strike season. Which, you know, like season three of Supernatural, is actually pretty good considering. Considering this. I mean, if it wasn't a writer's strike, I'd probably be a little disappointed with this season and that season of Supernatural, but since it was during the writer's strike, and they really did pull off a pretty decent storyline for that, Yeah, I and, can excuse it. And to give you a little bit of Smallville backstory, this was the, the last season to have a Smallville companion book, am I right, Petty? Yes. Written by our, by our acquaintance, Mr. Craig Byrne. Lord of the Crypto, <coughs> Lord of the Krypton thing. Yes. Which, yeah, I mean, he isn't really doing much now, is he? He's pretty much out of his job. Krypton. He's Flight covering like other shows, like Supernatural, like The Secret Circle. Oh, I know. Chuck. I know, but like nothing like Smallville. Nothing like Smallville. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be like on a T-shirt. That should have been on a T-shirt at New York Comic Con that went on like this past week. By the time we're recording, nothing like Smallville. Oh, I need that shirt. Yes. Dang it. But oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just sitting in my corner because you know no one pays me income, so just go on. Yes. While Penny is clutching his knees and rocking back and forth. Season 7, I would say, um, not one of my favorite seasons by any means, but a lot better to me than Season 6. Sorry, Penny. Alright, you're off the show. Huh. I'm sorry. I mean, that Penny. was Wu Kim, everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Ellen Miles, and I've given Ellen Miles a lot of garbage. Not on this po- not only on this podcast, but on the Starkville South of Bell website. I, I wasn't hu- huge fans of theirs post like Clark in post Clark in high school years, and because they really didn't make Clark more like Clark Kent that we know, let alone Superman, and that was my problem with that. I think but he. This- I think though he had some pretty good Superman moments. Season yeah, moments, five and season but, not, seven. but nothing like we, what we would see later in season eight, nine, and ten. But that's another story for another day. Yeah. But the the season opener, Bizarro, big cliffhanger to what happened in season six, and I would have to say not as good as Zod, but really, but really, really good. 
in terms of just overall story? My favorite scene is still like the waterfall scene. Or I the, think that's everybody's favorite scene. Not the waterfall, the uh, tidal the wave. The dam breaking. That is so cool. Yeah, and the little kid. Actually, I'll admit, my favorite scene in that episode is not that. It's actually when, when Clark punches Bizarro through the roof. Mine, mine just for gross that factor is Bizarro like caught up in that metal stuff and he's bleeding all over. Oh, the yeah. guy tries to help him out and Bizarro just fries him alive. That's, yeah. That's on level with supernatural scary up there. Yeah, because we really don't see that kind of violent stuff on, on Smallville, so it was kind of a nice change of pace to see, maybe not for that guy. Well, one of the closest things we have seen to that in Smallville is when Zod possessing Lex stabbed Lana through the hand. Yeah, but it's so weird to see Tom Willing doing that, you know? Right. I mean, you expect Michael Rosenbaum to do that because he, he plays a somewhat evil character. But we have to mention this for Petty's benefit. Season 7 welcomes a new, blonder woman to the cast in the form of Miss Laura Vanderport. Yes. Vanderport. Who everyone knows I have a crush on. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. Laura Vanderport, if you're listening, you're probably not listening. You are an attractive fraud. I, I don't think that's by anyone's offense. Yeah, you are an attractive fraud, Miss Vanderport. But Clark is just really trying to reassess like what's gone on to give you a season recap of see what happened at the end of season six. Lana gets blown up. <laughs> Sorry. You are a horrible person. What me? Why? Because you laughed when I said Lana got blown up. No, I didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. Who is on crack? Lana gets blown. Blown to pieces, or so we think. Lionel gets chucked by a Bizarro into God knows where. We don't. We honestly really don't know what happened to Lionel. And Martha can't left for DC. Yeah, but that was before Bizarro even showed up, so she got yeah. lucky. Yeah, and Chloe found her meteor power, unfortunately, and it's not good. Not good. No. It's it's not all it's cracked up to be, everyone. No, no, no. So this was in the same vein of like, like arrival in Zod in the sense Bizarro was to just to just get everybody back on the same page. And really, every season opener is like that. But five, six, and seven really have that feel to it. Because mm -hmm. there's no time gaps between the episodes. Yeah. Right. But Clark, and here's something to say about Clark. Ever since season five or season six, he says, I'm going to start my training with Daryl. I'm going to, you know, accept my destiny. But some woman comes back to always believe that, and that woman's name is Lana Lang. Penny's favorite, <coughs> favorite person in the whole world. Who really should have died in episode 100 instead of Jonathan Kent. Though I see why they killed him instead of her. It yeah. would have made a much better series if she would have died. And may I say in the, like, the second episode or the end of the first episode of season 7, Lana looks good as an anime chick, doesn't she? When she's hiding in like Beijing or whatever. Yeah, with the blonde wig. Yeah. I honestly did not realize it was her until I really stared at the picture for a few seconds. Neither did I, neither did I. But as far as Lex is concerned, Lex, when the dam broke in season six, was handcuffed in a cop in a cop car and is drowning to death. And contrary to popular belief, it had nothing to do with hookers or the excessive use of Crown Royal that Lex Luther drinks. Believe it or not. No, Lex is believed to have murdered his wife, new wife, Lana Luther. But the House of L being the House of L, Kara, or you don't know it's Kara, but Kara, <laughs> saved Lex Luthor. You don't know it's her, but it's her. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I mean, seriously, Lex should just, like, 
keep like clocking the House of Elves numbers on his like smartphone just in case he's submerged underneath a, like a large sum of water. You would think he would, sir. Yes. You would think. As the episodes progress, we Clark finds out that he has a cousin that's been been here on Earth since small since October 1989 when the first meteor shower happened. Apparently, when Clark's ship landed, Kara's ship landed too, but it landed in the Smallville River or the Smallville Lake. No, it landed in the dam. Okay, it landed in the dam. Because thing. when the dam broke, that's why she got out. Yeah, and when we later find out the reason why Kara came with Clark was to protect him because her father, Zorel, Alistair, no, I'm just kidding, supernatural reference for you guys, um, Zorel told her to watch over him. Right. Yeah. And if you and, and if you have not seen it, watch um, Karen the Chronicles from Krypton. It's on the Season 7 DVD set as a bonus feature. It's animated, and it explains what happens with Kara prior to her coming to Earth and prior to Krypton's explosion. And it's very interesting and, and it ties you, into Thank the you for series. mentioning that, Petty, because one thing we didn't mention on the Season 6 Blu-ray DVD, HD DVD, was a great feature right on the Green Arrow. Season 7 has one about Supergirl, and it's also really well done. I know, and we also forgot to mention, when we were talking about Justice on the Season 6 uh, podcast, we really did forget to mention Justice and Doom. Yes. Oh, yeah, the cartoon little comic series yeah I mm -hmm. that too which is also on the DVD for everyone's enjoyment film. yeah I will have to say though we talked about the arc of awesome in season 7 and there was one near the end of season 7 post writer strike but um there was kind of an arc of suck going on between like episode 3 to like episode like 7 or 8 well I wouldn't say five and six were bad because five was action. Yes. And Christina, six was Laura. Yes, Christina Milian guest stars in in action, mm. and she plays Rachel Davenport, the love interest for Warrior Angel. Yeah. And season six, Petty is correct. Season six has is the entire or um, episode six. Sorry, episode six is entitled Laura which has Miss Helen Slater, a.k.a. Supergirl, playing Laura Warman, Clark's, or kal biological mother. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the coolest, like, Superman-esque kind of um, nods. You have the current super, the, the current Supergirl and Laura Vanderbilt talking to the elder Supergirl. Mm. Kind, of, kind of, kind of Virgil Swan or um, Christopher Lee Tom Holland in season seven. Kind of that mirroring, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Wu, you're breaking up just a little bit. Oh, so, oh, sorry, man. Yeah, for those of you who don't, who can't tell, I have a, I have a bit of a, like a, a bit of a throat problem going on, so that's why I'm kind of cutting out and kind of coughing. Sorry, guys. No, that's no problem. It's I think it's your microphone or something. Oh, sorry. Again, not your fault. And then, yeah. and then, like you said, after seven would be blue, which is basically Lara Part Two or Round Two, rather. Which brings Sorrel. Oh, no. oh yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're right. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's with Zorel. I mean, Zorel's and Lara. But Zorel and Lara come to life, or rather, clones of them, much like season nine's Major Zod and Jorel, come to life through uh, Karis Crystal in Blue. Oh, and we forgot to mention one thing about episode four of season seven, Cure. Oh Which yes. Dr. Curtis Knox. You mean Vandal Savage? Yes, and. Do you know the story? And by the way, if you don't know who Vandal Savage is, he's an immortal that constantly harasses Superman in the comic books. 
Yeah, not just well, Superman, though. He's also the entire DC Universe's enemy, mainly Justice League. Like, the new animated feature, Justice League Doom, is going to feature Vandal Savage as the main villain. Yeah, and if you've seen Justice League Unlimited, there's many, there's many instances of Vandal Savage. Yeah, and the prior series, Justice League, as well. Okay, and do you know why they couldn't call um, Dean Cain's character Vandal Savage? I think the reason they did it, and this is this is pure speculation because no official confirmation has ever been given. I think they given, gave Curtis Knox the name mainly as a nod to the initial CK, Clark Kent, because of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Now, also, I think that Vandal Savage, um, there are some right itch issues with him. Yeah. D DC, uh, if you, and uh, I just want to reiterate something that Kenny touched on. The guy who plays Dr. Curtis Stocks is none other than Mr. Dean Cain, who played Superman slash Clark Kent on the mid-90s romantic comedy Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Mm -hmm. And many people thought that um, Dean Cain was actually going to play um, eventually the eventually well, would later become um, Virgil Swan's daughter, but he turned that down. That would be very cool, though. I would have rather that have been the role. I know, yeah, he, I know he wanted to do the villain, but... Well, look what happened to Ben, I mean, um, um, Virgil Swan's daughter. Yeah, but... I hated for that to happen to Dean Cain. Because that's just too big. I, I agree. But still, I'd rather have the guy brutally murdered like that over the girl. Yeah. I, I guess. But, um... If we... And for those of you who remembered seeing um, Rosetta, which Penny and I will cover in a future episode, we have to. Seeing Dean Cain and Tom Welling fight, there you that go. was just a new level of cool. Oh. And not only that, to see him like work with Michael Rosenbaum was cool as well. Mm-hmm. Working, working with a younger Lex. But, um... I wanted to move forward to talk about a very weird episode, but a very mixed reaction episode. An episode I liked, but I know a lot of people didn't. Wrath. Wrath, I did not like. Why didn't? It, why did you not like Wrath, sir? I wanna, I wanna hear it. I did not like Wrath simply because it was basically repeated in season eight. And season ten. Well. Not as much in season 10, but I see what you're getting here. Yeah. Um, and this has been, like, shown through the comics. Basically what happens in this episode is Lana gets struck by lightning. Lana comes back. We should have mentioned that. Lana comes back. She knows all about Clark's powers. And in this episode, Rev, she gets hit by a lightning bolt near some meteor rock. Clark tries to save her, and then boom. She gets half of She also gets close. Clark's powers. Mm -hmm. And this has been yeah. done before. This was done in season one and again in season three with the character Eric Summers, who is Aaron Ashmore, played by Aaron Ashmore's brother. And this character was basically Smallville's equivalent to Parasite up until season eight, which introduced the real Parasite for the, of the Superman universe. And for those of you who are keeping track here, you Superman purists, this, like, storyline has been repeated in Superman canon for generations. Mm -hmm. In the comics, it even happened in an episode of Lois and Clark. Twice, actually, when Superman touches someone and through a lightning bolt or a red kryptonite ray, they get his powers for, like, a day. Yeah. I liked it only for the Clark and Lana dialogue, especially at the end, where when Lana just basically tells Clark to shut up and, and it's not all about him. You remember that scene? Yeah. I liked finally somebody 
after like three years of Clark saying, oh, it's my fault. It's my fault. If this didn't happen, if I didn't want this to happen. I mean, how, how much of that could you hear? I agree. That's why homecoming is so, so big. Yeah, and that, and just for me being a guy, I love the earthquake sex joke that we did in rap. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm busted up laughing. Um, apparently Clark and Lana are making sweet love, and the tremors from that love can be found all the way through Metropolis and Smallville. Mm -hmm. Nice Jurassic Park reference there too, but season seven also sees the return of um, Oliver Queen in the episode Siren. Yes, as well as the introduction of Black Canary. Yes, which should have been the perfect time for a Green Arrow spinoff. Yeah. Absolutely. How bare of a leading episode could you get for a new series? You really couldn't. Better than Birds of Prey, definitely. And I like Birds of Prey. Yeah, I do too, but this was even better than Birds of Prey. And they nicely wrap up the, the um, Lois and Ollie storyline very well in this episode. Yes. Because we, we as Smallville fans, and Brian and Kelly and Todd and Darren, the new showrunners that would take over a year later, they didn't know um, Justin Harley would be back as a series regular. That, yeah. Yeah. Which, again, they kind of explored Oliver and Lois again in season nine. And then it was officially wrapped up, which was nice. But yes, I like this ending better. Yes, I did too. Um, Lana, Lana Lang is going through a kind of a dark phase in season seven, which I wish we would have seen more in season six, especially in regards with Lila. Mm -hmm. Well, we haven't talked about Lionel yet. Do you want to? Yeah, that's a good segue. Let's talk about Lionel. He's the better Lynch, character. He's the better character anyway. Ha! Okay. At least he I, does pay I'm me. I'm gonna start charging you a dime every time you slam Lana. No, you're not. I it happens so often. I I'm would not. Never pay you. Okay. I'll pay you go. Wow, that I might do. Okay. Okay, Lionel. Yes. Who dies? Who dies this season? Lionel gets brutally killed this season by his son when he pushes him out the window. Yes. The end. Alright, moving on. No, no, I think, um, did we mention how we thought Anero 2 was used in Season 6? Yes. Kind of the exact opposite with Lionel Luther. Yes. John Glover, this is his last, like, season as a series regular. I thought he played all the different facets that we've seen well before the, the Magnificent Bastard, the caring father figure, and also a Lionel that we hadn't seen before with the whole crazy Veritas angle. Yeah, I really like the Veritas angle. It throws back even to Pilot. Yeah. With and yes, maybe, yes, it is a retcon, maybe, or maybe Miles and Alan knew what they were doing the whole time. I think of it more as a retcon. Yeah, they didn't I know what they were doing. they did a doing. really good job with it. They didn't know what they were doing the entire time. Well, I think in our mutual friend Derek Russell said, <coughs> said that if Christopher, if Christopher Reeve hadn't died, they would have continued in one season four. They were going to. In fact, I've heard a lot of rumors that Christopher Reeve was going to turn out to be Jor-El if they would have continued. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I would not like that at all, but that's what I've been hearing. Yeah. And that leads into the Veritas angle. Um, basically, ever since, let's say, 1986, this group called Veritas, made up of different billionaires, the Queens, the Teagues, who we all met in season four, the Swans, 
and the Luthers are all part of this group called Veritas that believe a chosen savior, a traveler, is going to come to Earth to save it. And let's, um, let, I'm going to throw this out here before we really dig into Veritas. Originally, in Alan Miles' script, Thomas and Martha Wayne were part of Veritas. Yeah, I heard that too. That would have been awesome. That would have been very awesome. Screw you, Chris Nolan. Yeah, and also that would have been really funny that you, to add in that League of Shadows thing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, that would have made a lot more sense, really, too. I agree. Well, uh, well, all these billionaires, all these famous rich people are getting together, not just to get drunk and talk about poor people and mock them. <laughs> we all know that's what rich people do, be honest. But they believe the traveler will come to save the earth. And Lionel, Lionel is in the group. And I went on to himself. Yes. He obviously wants to exploit this. And let it be noted that he is the only couple, he is the only family guy from the Luthers. Not Peter Griffin. No, I mean like... Yeah, I know what you meant. Like, everyone else is a couple. Yes. It's Swan and his wife, it's Queen and his wife, it's Teague and his wife, but it's only Lionel. Yes. And... Lillian is shut out. Yes. And we see... And how, how do we know all this? In an episode called... Fracture... Is it Fracture? Yeah, it's called Fracture. Um, I believe it's Veritas, though. No, it's, it's, well, this is how Lex knows. How he knows. What he knows. Basically, in the, through the course of the season, um, Clark and Kara become close. They trust each other. There's no doubt between them. There was at the beginning of the season. But through this the actions in blue, um, Kara is being sent off somewhere via the fortress. And through like a good four or five episodes, I think. Something. We don't know where Kara is. Yeah. And then we find out Lex tracked her down, but uh oh, Lex accidentally gets shot by Kara's kidnapper. So Clark has to go into Lex's comatose mind and try to find out where Carrie is. Yep. And also one of the best episodes of season seven. Wait, oh my gosh. The scariest, the scariest scene in this season is in this episode. Yes. It's I don't know what's scarier, seeing Lex or Lionel beat down young Lex, or like Lex in the white suit holding Clark's head so he makes him watch Lex making Lana. I think it's creepier when Clark is punching Lex in the white suit and Lex is just laughing at him. Yeah. Plus, and, I mean, there's the part later where Lex kills the mini version of himself, the mini-me in the fire. Yes. There, there's something to be said about this episode because there is a, the little mini-me that Penny just referred to is Lex's soul in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. It's his good nature that has pretty much been tucked away since season five. Right. And the the man in the white suit obviously is is the Lex Luthor that we all know Michael Rosenbaum will become. Mm -hmm. And this and this episode fracture also relates into um, Chloe's powers because Chloe has the ability to heal people, meteor freak or not. But there's a downside. Every time she does, she hurts herself. Right. And a lot of times she'll die and come yes. back to life. If it's she'll a... be legally dead. Not not just as a political term or a legal term. She'll be legally dead. And the, long, the more she does it, the longer she's out. Mm -hmm. And Clark, Clark is very concerned by this. Um, but... And we kind of saved this to last, and I, thankfully we did. We'll talk to Seth 
towards the end of this, but the return of, I think, our favorite guest star of all time, Mr. James Marsters as Brainiac. Absolutely. Brainiac returns in the episode um, Persona, and we see something's wrong with Brainiac. Mm-hmm. You see that he's da- damaged. You see that he he's not he's basically Windows ninety eight folks. <laughs> His last encounter with Kal-El pretty much just destroyed him, so he needs an upgrade. He gets the upgrade, and he later approaches Kara and offers Kara a chance to go back home, but Kara refuses. Because of this, Brainiac attacks Penny's favorite character, Ramalay. Should have left her for dead. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you're a horrible person. <laughs> we, we really do need. We really do need Hollywood go off on to give us a few more perspectives. I, uh, you know, um, I I like Chris and Crook. I hate Lana Lang. Yes. Um. Lana becomes comatose via Brainiac's, um, um, we'll, we'll just call it the USB Brainiac connection. Yes. And what he does is pretty much put Lana in a vegetative state of pain. That's what he pretty much deems it. Kara holds and goes back with Brainiac. While this is going on, Lionel Luther is acting nuts. Yes. And we don't know why. We assume and it's because what happened in Fracture is Lex is getting back all his memories when he was a child after he gets out of his coma. And it's really not all his memories. He he unlocks a door. Where later in the season, like in Veritas, he does unlock all his memories. Yes. Except for the ones in season three where he saw Clark using his powers, but still. Yes. For all you Zelda fans out there, Lex got the got his whistle and all the keys to open up all the doors. There you go. Um <laughs> Yeah, I know, bad joke. Shout out. Why <laughs> And I don't think I've ever t- talked to this with anyone, Penny. I know I think one of the reasons why he's kind of like acting kind of wonky, I think he knows that Doomsday is coming. Well, I obviously think that's why he's so frantic right before his death. Like right when he gives Chloe the key and all that. I think he does know from that spec- perspective. He, he has a link with, and for those of you that need a little bit of reminding, Lionel has a, a psychopathic link, psychopathic link to Jarrell. Yes, and when he dies, it's transferred to Martha. Yes, and um, when she dies, it better be transferred to Chloe. Or or to Shelby. Or to Shelby. Yes, or to or to show me. I have to I I have to think that Jorel told Lionel his vessel. And this is not Castillo, I'm just kidding. Um he tells his vessel what Brainiac is up to. What Zod and Faylor told Brainiac to do. And that's why Lionel's acting all nuts. Now do you think that, and obviously the writers didn't intend to write it this way, because they didn't know what was going to happen in season 8. But or do you, if there was going to be a season 8. Or if there was going to be season 8. But do you think when Brainiac, you know, how he's preparing Lax as the vessel, Zod comes, Brainiac goes into hiding for a little bit, do you think that he was searching for Doomsday? For, no, for Zod at I, that point? I think... When, and I, I'm sorry that we're going on a little bit of a tangent here, guys, but bear with us. And again, we've said this several times. If you've not seen the episodes, you're not going to understand anything that we're talking about, you know? Um, I think 
When Brad gets sent to the back to the Phantom Zone in Zod, he tells Brainiac, the plan has changed. You need to go back to Krypton. Okay. I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know. Zod tells this to Brainiac, I don't know how you do it, but you get back to Krypton. And believe, and believe me, my, my, my past self will know exactly what you mean. That's and very interesting. Because, you know, we see, we see this in Dominion. There's ways to get information from the Phantom Zone back to Earth or wherever you needed to go. Well, obviously, Darkseid communicated with Zod. Yeah. And, and Zod, I mean... I mean, Zod was Zod was pretty much created for that Phantom Zone, or that Phantom Zone was created for, for Zod's kind. So he knows all the twists and turns. Yeah. Like a message out of prison. But well, getting back to Lionel, Lionel's freaking, and we all think it's due to Lex finding the keys to a box in Zurich, Switzerland, and we all think that it's about Lex and. At the time, yeah, but ultimately, this whole Lionel freaking out about the keys that lead to a box that could lead to Kal-El's demise leads into one of the best episodes, maybe the best in Smallville's history, called Descent. I think it's just your favorite episode. Yeah, it is, it is my favorite episode. I won't lie. Probably Michael Rosenbaum's greatest performance. Absolutely. And maybe, and you might disagree with me on this, the best teaser in Smallville history. Yeah, it's definitely one of one of the best. And unfortunately, we get a really crappy episode after that. Yeah, but, but, but that, to me, that does not take away from the awesome it is because we've been because we've been building up for this since season three, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way they did it, and and for you people keeping track out there, um, Veritas episode, episode, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Isn't it 15? Was supposed to be, yes, 15, was supposed to be the season finale of the, se- of the season, possibly the series finale. But after the writer's talk got tied up, they came back for what is the arc of awesome in in season seven. Five episodes. But if you don't include Sleeper, four episodes. Yes. But Descent, um, Lionel gets thrown out of building by Lex. Lex has a conversation with himself, which is always a sign of a healthy person. Yep, and then he kills himself. And in a way, uh, he and Clark have probably one of their best scenes together. I still say the scene in finale is their best yes. scene. But I love the look of look at Rosenbaum's face in that library scene. Yeah, I I a tear was going down my cheek. That's how much drama there was in that scene. Well, Lex is trying to play the innocent bystander. Yeah. And it's and not really, working. Looking back at that episode, nothing really... Everything that involves that episode is what happens in the teaser. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing before it, nothing after it. Probably the another great... Um, just a great Superman scene of Lex and Clark at Lionel's grave. Yeah. And Clark, give, Clark gives him that look of... I'm sorry I didn't save you, but I'll, I swear to God I'll stop you. Mm-hmm. Um, just a great episode. Just a great episode. Mm-hmm. And what a way to go out. I, I, out of all the character departures, Lionel's is right up there with um, Jonathan Kent's. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we have to talk about Apocalypse. Yes, but before that, we need to take one step back and we have to mention Hero. Yeah, oh, okay, good. I thought, I thought 
we were going to skip that one. Thank you for bringing that one up. Yeah, Hero is Pete Ross's return to Smallville and his last episode of the series. Before he takes a very special trip. Yes. That's where we'll leave it. Down Crackhead Lane. Um, Pete comes back to Smallville. He's touring with the band One Republic, who, yes, Smallville got me into that band, so sue me. Okay. Yeah. And um, he comes and visits, and he, and the concert is in a stride gum factory. Which is like the dumbest, I know, I know it's promotion, but it is like, that is the dumb place to have a concert. Pete does all the promotion for that show. I'm not gonna lie. My cousin says it constantly. Yeah, where were, where were, yeah, where were the other roadies? Where were the other promoters? Yeah, it's all Pete. Yeah, you have to give him credit for this. And yeah, I do. And when Pete chews the kryptonite laced dry gum, yes, of course, kryptonite is involved, isn't it always? He gets stretching powers, and he actually saves. Kara, who at this point in the series is memoryless, so she doesn't know who she is, and she gets her memory back in the next episode, Traveler, but to make a long story short, Lex pretty much beats the crap out of Pete, and Clark again has to save him, Pete reminding Clark why he left in the first place, and he just kind of leaves again. Yes, and I think it's through. I think it should be noticed that I, one of the reasons that this episode gets crapped on so much by the fans is A, it's the first one after after the uh, uh, hiatus, is it not? Yeah. It's <laughs> Pete Ross's return, and people always comment on Pete's attitude that he's so bitter, that he's so this, so that. But in this and, episode, he's pretty upbeat. Yes, and really... The way, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, if this was real life, and I know that's a bit of a stretch, the way he left, do you really think he would have forgotten and just let all that bitterness go? Well, he did say that they, well, Clark did say they had been in communication ever since he left. And him and Chloe have as well. So I'd assume that they got everything worked out. Yeah, but again, seeing it and actually feeling it are two different things. Well, I, th I felt everything that happened before, I felt Pete was in a much better place in this episode. Yeah, and I, and most I think people, so too, but there is a, a bit of that bitterness. Because let's face it, in season one and two, before Pete knows about Clark, he's still envious of Clark. Well, Clark was everything he's not. That's why he had to be on the football team. And he had to do yeah. everything Clark didn't do. Which is very much Pete Ross of the comics, too. Well, he is Pete the Boss Ross. Yeah. Oh, God, don't mention that episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Big, big, big episode for the series. Number 150. Yes. Written by Al Septian and Trey Meyer. This is episode 18 and directed by Mr. Tom Marlin. Yes, it was directed by Tom Marlin, that's right. Yeah, and it really is in the same vein of like a homecoming in season 10. What, well, what like, would have been like if Clark just never showed up? Because Clark, and it's an interesting question that he poses. If he never landed on Earth in Smallville, would there be any difference? Would Lex have been the same person he was? Would Lana be a better person? And it, turns, and it turns out that, yes, there are still meter freaks, but Lex is actually worse off. Lex became, well, well Lex became a psycho with or without Clark. That's his affirmation. Yeah, but he's a little worse in this alternate universe than he is in the but, real one. But, but Chloe is more or less the same Chloe. Yep. Lois is, became Lois a lot sooner than she really did in the series. And Jimmy's still Jimmy. 
Jimmy is Jimmy before season eight. Jimmy yeah. is comic book Jimmy, even though Jimmy died. Yeah, and for those of you keeping track, um, the main character uses in Apocalypse, Linda Danvers is actually uh, an alias of Supergirl. Yes, in the comics. Yeah. My one gripe about this episode, um, my, my only gripe really, no John Glover. Yeah, I can see why he would have been included, but you know, like they kind of said in this show, I think Lex without Clark would have killed him a lot sooner. Yes, and all, and also again, this these episodes were post writer strike, so they probably couldn't afford John Glover other than what they used to be with the set. Yeah. Um. What do you feel about Arctic, sir? I know we're going a little long, but what do you what do you feel about Arctic? Um, overall, Arctic is probably one of my favorite smallest season finales. It's Arctic? Ar it's top three for me. Arctic doesn't have any breathing room in it. Similar to Doomsday, but mostly in Smallville's season finales, and look back at all of them, we have some breathing room. We have breathing room somewhere. Well, the in Arctic, we have no breathing room. Well, the only thing with Arctic is, I think this episode didn't need it because it flowed. Yes. Doomsday so, needed it. Yeah. And really, where, 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 where did you want the breathing room? Where did you need the breathing room? Because honestly, the breathing room and all these other those like um, um, like in season five, you needed that just for exposition purposes only. Yeah, and I mean. The only real breathing room part we have in Arctic is when Clark watches Lana's goodbye tape and him and Lois have their scene. Which is pretty much the most one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. And even though I don't like Lana, I will agree. Because yeah. I feel sorry for Clark. Not her Clark. And a really big and a really big first Lois. A real big first Lois moment between Eric and Evans and Mr. Tomlin. Yes. Which is always a plus. Yeah. Um, and being, and I have to really give it up to the executive producers of Smallville. We, we haven't mentioned this um, yet. Al Alf and Miles Miller had announced like a week or two before that they were leaving. As to save the show. As did Michael Rosenbaum. Salary, the show's budget was, was going way down, and their salaries would take up too much, too much cash, so they bowed out. Do you honestly believe that, though? I, well, look, well, look. I mean, this is going to sound a little petty, no pun intended, but look at where their careers, look at what happened to their careers after they left the show. Well, they became nothing. Yeah, I mean, they. They wrote, I am number four. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm being serious. I mean, I believe it because if they were moving on to greener pastures, where were those? I think they had ideas. I don't think they happened. Well, it wasn't like Beeman going on to Heroes and then later going on to Terranova. I think that's what they thought it was going to be, though. Yeah. Because but, I don't believe that they would have left that show unless they had wrapped it up. Yeah. And they did not wrap that up. And I think since they created it, I don't think they would have left without and themselves wrapping it up. I don't true. believe that. But I don't I don't think they knew when, when to wrap it up. To them, to them, I think season four was going to be as long as they would last, would have to have lasted. And the WBCW said no. Well, they wanted five, and then they wanted yeah. to be done, like Supernatural. Yeah, and that wouldn't have worked. But anyway, out of Go and Miller's leaving, Chrissy Kirk and Michael Rosenbaum ballot. Yeah, as do Laura Vandervoort, John Glover. Actually, that's yeah. it. And we'll do. We'll talk about this when we cover season eight. 
I don't know how you were feeling, but I was feeling very defeated, sir. Well, Odyssey, because of all these departures. I've talked about this with you before. Odyssey is a bit of a letdown to me because we don't get any Kara after she's just been put in the Phantom Zone, and it's been yes. three months. You'd think Clark would try something right when he gets his powers back. Yes. There's that. There's no John Glover. It's the first series premiere with no John Glover. You're missing Lana, which, I mean, I wasn't missing Lana because I think that was her best send-off of the series. And that should have been her send-off. That should have been her send-off. Until episode 200, which didn't happen, which I'm so pissed about. Right. We'll talk about that in another episode. Right. And then you have no Lex. And that's a real downer for me. And you don't even have Davis Bloom. Yeah. You don't shoot him. But for that reason alone, I'm impressed what they could do with Odyssey. I, I love Odyssey as an episode. I don't like it as a premiere. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But getting back to season seven, the, the feeling we had around episode 20, which was the finale, I was glad that we got those five extra episodes because what we got in those were just awesome except for Sleeper. But other than that, I was feeling very defeated by the time um, we got to Arctic. But on a plus side, I just discovered Starbucks House of Elf. Mm -hmm. um, I don't... I, we, but we had heard there would be a season eight. Yeah. We had heard Rosenbaum out, Kirk out, Glover out, Alan Miles gone. I was feeling very defeated. Mm -hmm. But when we get to Arctic, and... It's just such a great episode. It is. It is. And think, I, there are a few things I kind of want to talk about before we wrap everything up. Okay. We do have to mention Jimmy's proposal to Chloe. We have to? No, I'm just kidding. I just had to mention it because we hadn't mentioned Jimmy yet because of Sleeper. So we can move on now, but just that that's Jimmy, out there. And honestly, when you watch Arctic, ladies and gentlemen, of the podcast world, um, you don't know how big that is for the next season. And that's where, that's where I'll end it with that. Pieces storyline. Yeah. Because, yeah. tell me the truth, Betty. When you were watching Arctic, did you expect what we got in season eight with those two? No. No. I had no clue. And bravo, Bride. showrunners of season eight. Bride is so good. Yes. But we can't really talk about that now. We'll, we'll yeah. move on. Yeah. Um, then my last point I kind of really mean to make because I've talked about this before on the shoe site and not many people listen to me Lou you're probably one of the only ones you and James well Penny you're like my little brother I can't not, not listen to you I can't not listen to you because you kind of run this show you're anyway. Sam come on Andy. okay fine whatever <laughs> anyway I'm not Lucifer though I'm just Sam Sam yes. I am but um Kara, near the end of the season, when she returns from Krypton with Clark, I, I have to, I have to say this. I think it's Brainiac and Kara. I don't think he put her in the Phantom Zone until Arctic. And I'm thinking it's like kind of a supernatural thing, and I know it's a, I know if I, I, I confuse people. Sorry, I think it's a supernatural thing with two people in the same body. Right, and I think that right until you see James Marsters in Arctic. I yes. would assume he had enough power by then to just strap her in the Phantom Zone and go out on his own. Yeah, and, and really kudos to Ms. Vanderwood because she doesn't give you any hints that she is actually brilliant. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, because Kara kind of acts like that at the beginning of this, the season. Right, and... I mean, I have evidence for my theory, too, that I'll quickly share. Um, okay. Yeah, I will. 
in one second. Alright, yeah. In the first time you see Kara when they come back, you know the scene where she falls with the milk? Yeah. Um, Brainiac would not do that, I don't think. In yeah. his own body. That was a total Kryptonian is being overtaken by Brainiac thing. Yeah. That was her attack. Because Brainiac wouldn't drink milk. There's no yeah. energy in milk for him to absorb. He wouldn't drink it. There'd be no point. Yeah. That was obviously Kara. And then in Arctic, you see her try and get the orb. The orb only affects Kryptonians. It wouldn't affect Kryptonian machines. Yeah. So. The orb is, we call it in the podcast, it, in the podcasting world, the Omega Hedron. The Omega, yes, the Omega Hedron. It yes. only affects Kryptonians, which is why... Brainiac can get near it as Kara. Yes. That makes sense. Oh, and speaking of Brainiac, he does get destroyed in Season 7, and I, I was going to say until I was like, corrected by myself, this is the last time we see Brainiac in some, until the 200th episode. But it's not. We see him in Season 8. Yeah. Well, kind yeah. of. We see him possessing people, and we only it's, hear James Marster. If we don't see... The actor again until season ten, but yeah, Brainiac, and, um, Brainiac does get officially destroyed in season eight, reprogrammed throughout season nine. You don't really see it, but it happens in that time period, and then brought back as Brainiac five in season ten. Yeah, who is he? And as Petty was, as Petty just explained to you, Kara is sent off to the Phantom Zone. We we see the classic um prison thing of her like going off into the Phantom Zone. Clark doesn't know this, or we think he knows this, but he has more pressing issues with Lana's departure and with the realization that his ex-best friend is in his clubhouse. Mm -hmm. And Lex, through the entire thing with the Veritas thing, he's pieced all this together. He knows who Clark really is, and he knows that he, that Clark Kent, Kal-El Krypton, is the reason his life is stuck. Yes. And really, from and I think we will do a, a like a Lex-centered episode. Oh, we're He's doing not, Lexmas around Christmas time, so there you go. Yeah. yeah. But Lex isn't really wrong in that regard from his point of view. Well, it's the classic Lex Luthor line. If it wasn't for you, I'd save the world. And really, if it wasn't for you, all this bad stuff in my life, starting with my hair, wouldn't have happened. Have you seen All-Star Superman, sir? No, I've read some really good reviews, but um, no, I've not seen it. Oh, I watched it with Dan last night. He had not seen it either. And man, we made some really good comparisons to Smallville. Yeah. Especially with Lex Luthor. Yes. And Lex, like all other villains, thinks he's the good guy. He says this in Arctic. Yeah. He thinks that all this horrible stuff happened to him so he could stop Kal-El. He thinks and he's really, saving the world. This does sound like um, Superman Red Sun. In mm. a way, too. Yeah. Where... Clark is a communist, Lex is the American hero in the comic, and he's stopping the, the evil communist from taking over the world. Mm -hmm. So, overall, overall, Mr. Petty, season seven, what are we waiting for? I'd say bet, better than eight, in my opinion. And we'll get into that when we get into season eight because I don't agree. And also better than three because I don't hold three in a very high regard. I don't hold three in a very high regard either. So I'll say three out of five. Okay, that's fair. I'd say probably four out of five because I give it slack. Yeah, and I do too. And, and if we and if we can. We need to thank some people, don't we, Mr. John Petty? Yes, 
Michael John Petty. Yes, we do. Yes, Michael John Petty. Thank you. We need to thank Dan and Nico. Yes, we will thank Dan Schmidt and Nico Reifstek. Dan is the creator of Across Airwaves, and they both co-host the regular Across Airwaves podcast together, and I occasionally guest host with Dan. Um, I finished Supernatural, hopefully I'll I'll be there too. Yes, but we will not be there every week, unfortunately. Yeah, we can't, guys. We can't. They don't let us. They don't pay us that much. Yeah. There's not enough gum in the world for that to happen. Unfortunately. So, oh, oh, I forgot one thing, Petty. For for you li- for you listeners out there on your Zooms, iPods, and, and or smartphones, various smartphones, please leave comments on the Across the Airwaves website for Smallville Retro Reviews. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> we need to know you guys exist. Yeah. Please tell us how we're doing. Please let us know on the comments section on the website. The Pity does such a good job of updating. Oh my gosh. Please tell us how we're doing. I have like four posts in a row on there. I have more than Dan and Nico combined. And I have no posts. And you have none. You're a loser. Just like I said before. Anyway. Anyway. Yes, you are. No. Okay. But I do have to give out... uh, a little um, shameless plug to our podcast. Friday, September. Wow. September. September. No. Friday, October 28th is the premiere of Chuck. The season premiere of Chuck's final season, season five. And Lou, I do know you don't listen or watch it, but other fans might, so I need to mention it. Oh, go ahead. That night, after Chuck, which would be airing at 8, 7 central on NBC. And the 28th is a Friday, so for those of you who are wondering. Yes. But after the event, 15 minutes later, on Across the Airwaves Ustream channel, we will be doing a live show dedicated to Chuck, past, present, and future. And we have cleverly entitled it, Chuck vs. The Live Show. So please join us for that. It'll be after Chuck versus the Zoom at 8, 7 central. And our episode will start at 9, 15, 8, 15 central. Who will join you for that? That would be myself, Dan, and Nico. And if you watch the show, you would be able to talk with us about it. But you don't, so. Yeah, I'd be completely confused. Sorry, Chuck fans. Someone's a loser. Please follow us on our Facebook page and across the the airwaves. Search across the airwaves on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at. I am at MJ Petty Seven. And I am at WSK nine zero zero two. That's WSK nine zero zero two. Yes, and across airwaves is at across airwaves. No, the just across airwaves. And hopefully on our next podcast, I will talk a little bit about the video game that came out for PC 360 and PS3, and will be out for the Wii U later on, later in November, Arkham City, Batman Arkham City. Ah, yes, I need to see that, So, or I need to get that game so bad. Yes. High reviews, high marks, guys, but that's for the next podcast. Yep. So for our Across the Airwaves sponsors slash hosts, Dan Schmidt and Nico Reifstek, I am your host, Michael J. Petty. And I'm just some guy in the corner of the Yes, who wishes he was paid in God. And watch stuff. So join us next time for our next Marvel Retro Review episode, which we actually don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we have to figure it out, because we just had our Season 6 episode. So, we have to go listen to the cool music that I'm saying it's out with. I don't know what it is yet, but at time of editing, I will not So, enjoy that. I will enjoy it. Alright, see you guys. Have a good week.